Hiert Comrades and Friends. Welcome to the beginning of the end. Welcome to the beginning of the moment where we make history. We have got two weeks left in the biggest socialist campaign that Australia has seen for generations. We have got two weeks left until we get, hopefully, not just one, but two principled, passionate socialists in Australian politics for the first time in generations. And every single person in this room has a big role to make that possible. So what the purpose of tonight, we've had a number of launches. We've had the manifesto launch. We've had the policy launch. We've had personal gatherings with Liz and Jerem. We've had a whole number of events. But it's been all building up to this because what we're about to do now is launch the ground game. We're going to be talking to hundreds and thousands of voters over the next two weeks. And the end goal is to absolutely make history. And that's what tonight is all about. It's about refreshing. If you've been involved already, it's about resetting and refreshing your headspace to enter the final sprint. If you're totally new to this campaign, you're totally new to this movement, tonight is about getting your foot in the door. Tonight is about launching into uh, a really important project. And tonight's going to be all about that. Okay, so the way tonight's going to work is we're going to hear from our main candidates from the North and the Western metropolitan regions. Liz Walsh and Jerem Small. Where are you guys? There's Jerem, where's Liz? Liz is there, there's Jerem, all right. They are the people of the hour. We're gonna have some raffles, we're gonna hear some music. It's gonna be an absolutely fantastic event. Often events like this begin with an acknowledgement of country or a welcome to country. And as socialists, of course, we, we do that because we do acknowledge this land was stolen, it was never ceded, this country was colonised by the British and racism towards Aboriginal people continues to be an absolute plague on this country. But a lot of people say those words, a lot of institutions like to make acknowledgements and welcomes to country. The Queen does it, or did it, the King probably does it, the AFL do it. Fossil fuel companies do it just before they blow up indigenous sites. So what we want to do tonight is not just have an acknowledgement or a welcome, but we want to have a speech from an Aboriginal socialist, a member of Victorian socialists, a proud activist who's going to be talking about anti-Aboriginal racism in this country. And it's an extremely pressing issue in general, but it's especially pressing now because in the last month we've had news of the death of Cassius Turvey and just yesterday in Queensland news of the death of an Aboriginal man arrested by police died in custody. So please make Oscar Martin welcome. He's going to be talking about these issues that we take so seriously. Comrades, it has been a massive and impressive campaign that we have undertaken for the past few months. Now the final stretch is here and we must give it our all to get a socialist elected for the first time in almost a century. 
under capitalism, we see the brutalisation and exploitation of working class and oppressed people everywhere. From the destruction of Palestinian life, to the genocide of Tamil people, to the rising costs of living, the system of capitalism is inherently exploitative and racist. Our job as socialists is to say no more, to fight back, to stand against capitalism and to put people first rather than profits. <laughs> Australia has always been a racist country and Aboriginal people have always been on the front line of that. Even today, we have the continuing rise in deaths in custody, the cutting of social services and the military and police interventions in both rural and urban areas. Just recently, Cassius Turvey was brutally murdered for being Aboriginal. Racism killed Cassius and is established and perpetrated through the media, the police, the courts and by the ruling class. Even still, the media talks about the killing as if it was random, nothing to do with the colour of his skin. What a joke! Despite its reputation as a progressive state, Victoria, led by the Andrews government, is one of the worst abusers of Aboriginal people. Under the current government, the number of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders being held in Victorian prisons has risen by 70%. Of these, around 50% are in remand, which means they have not been found guilty of any crime. It's even worse for women and children. Our people are being jailed for the crime of being poor and black. A big reason for this was Andrew's decision to change bail laws, making it easier to imprison people before their charges were finalised. This has disproportionately affected Aboriginal people, so that being in remand is now a normal part of Aboriginal life. It didn't have to be this way. 30 years ago, the 1991 Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody made hundreds of recommendations in order to stop the increasing deaths of Aboriginal people in the prison system. Not only did those recommendations get ignored, but the death toll of Aboriginal people in custody continues to rise. 517 Aboriginal people have died in custody since these recommendations were made and ignored, with the most recent death in custody happening this week in North Queensland. Why is this happening? Some say the system is broken, that it is not working to achieve Indigenous justice. I say the whole system is working just how it was meant to. It was designed to screw us over. Since colonisation, the dispossession of land was achieved to establish and plant the seeds of, of the Australian capitalist nation. Children were removed from families in trying to achieve the racist assimilationist policy. And Aboriginal people were and still are employed as cheap labour so that the Australian capitalism can acquire more and more profits. Since the establishment of Australian capitalism, land rights have been squashed so that mining companies and CEOs can gouge the earth of its minerals. 
and police interventions and murders of Aboriginal people have become more common as seen in the Northern Territory intervention and the murdering of Kumanjai Walker and TJ Hickey. It is obvious that the police are not servers of justice, but the capitalist hit squad, smashing protests and targeting oppressed people so that the rich can go on making their money. We need to counter all of this with a set of politics that stands up for working class people and Aboriginal people. We need socialist politics. Socialist politics that fights all those who sustains capitalism and its institutions. Socialist politics that fights for the destruction of capitalism and reorder society to benefit and enrich human life. Socialist politics that is built on solidarity between all working class and oppressed people, regardless of the superficial differences they use to divide us. That's what BS stands for, and that's what we will be promoting over the next few weeks. We can imagine a world where Aboriginal people are free from prisons, the police are abolished, and land rights are established. We can imagine this, but now more than ever, we need to fight to make it a reality. This takes a commitment to socialist politics that doesn't stand aside and watch oppressed people fight for their liberation, but stands arm in arm with all people, Aboriginal, Palestinian, black and white, and goes forth and attacks the capitalist system and destroys its roots. <laughs> Comrades, we must see that we are the agents of our history and not the cogs of the capitalist machine. And when we begin to move as one to change the world, the rich start to shiver, knowing that our power can destroy them. Sometimes being a socialist means taking to the streets, fighting the police, standing up for justice. Those moments give us inspiration, like the riots that took place after the murder of Kumanjai Walker in Yuandumu and TJ Hickey in Redfern. There are other times when that, that isn't on the cards, but there's always something we can do to fight back. James Small and Liz Walsh are the two most dedicated and principled people to ever run for parliament. Getting them elected will be a big step forward, not just for Indigenous rights, but for every group of people that have been stepped on, exploited, harassed and oppressed. They will give a voice to the fighters and the rebels, from Fitzroy to Redfern, from Broken Hill to the Pilbara, from the refugees on Christmas Island to those staffing picket lines. One of us has a chance to be part of making history. Right now, our job is to go out there and fight for every single vote for the next two weeks. And I want everyone to join me in the chant. No justice, no peace, no racist police. No justice, no peace, no racist police. No justice, no peace, no racist police. Thank you. That's pretty amazing.
Alaska. That's right. Now imagine a speech like that being made in the halls of parliament and being reported on by the scum in the mainstream media. That's what we want to see happen. We want to bring these ideas, these politics into the mainstream of Australian society where the ruling class does not want them. Our across the world. Just before we hear from Liz, I thought it'd be worth acknowledging that we have almost 200 people, and actually more than 200 people, coming to help the Victorian Socialist Project from around Australia. And I just want to give a shout out to all those people. There's a number of them in this room. Well done. Thank you for coming down. It shows the power of this movement. It shows the importance of this moment, that so many people are spending so much money and time to come and help us out. Let's just hear from people. Make some noise if you're from Canberra. Brave, brave. What about if you're from Adelaide? Are there any people from Adelaide here? All right, what about Brisbane? Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, Sydney. And what about Perth? Okay, let's have a bit of a battle between the North and the West. There's a constant rivalry there. Make some noise if you're part of the West campaign. That was shit, that was shit. All right, what about the North? All right. I think we have a winner. I guess we'll see on election day. Um, okay, so now we're going to hear from Liz Walsh. Um, Liz Walsh is an absolute veteran of the socialist movement here in Melbourne and someone that um, I've had the privilege of working very closely with for a very long time, as have many people in this room. In fact, when I joined the socialist movement back in 2007, Liz was already a leader. She was already somebody who would inspire people, who would educate people, who would organize people. Liz has been uh, known for her political insight, her savvy operations with other political uh, tendencies. Uh, and most of all, no one fucks with Liz. Liz is someone who, when confronted, stands up and fights. And that is a very important asset to have in a socialist in parliament. Liz is really known for her refugee work over the years. She's been a very staunch refugee rights activist, probably for 22 years uh, at least. Um, and she's really widely respected in that area, both by the refugee community you know, themselves and by people involved in organizing. But she's done a whole bunch of other things too, from climate work, climate organizing to refugee rights. And most recently, she's been on the front lines of fighting for abortion rights. Because what's happening in the West it's a fight between Liz Walsh and Bernie Finn. And what we want to do in the West is grind Bernie Finn's face into the fucking dust. So please make Liz Walsh welcome. I was just saying that uh, what I'm known for is having a temper. It's <laughs> the truth, but... Um... I'd like to start off by acknowledging that we're standing on stolen land, on the land of the Wurundjeri people, of the Kulin Nations, and we stand in solidarity with Aboriginal people in the struggle for justice, not only because it's right, but because we know that our liberation is bound together. Uh, if I was to paraphrase Lionel Watson, the um, famous Aboriginal activist and artist. So, 
our election campaign is part, just one small part, of a broader fight for a world based on solidarity, a world based on genuine democracy and popular power, a world where our wealth, the wealth that we create, actually goes towards meeting the needs of ordinary people, lifting our living conditions, rather than enriching those wealthy bastards at the very top of our society. That's what we're fighting for. And the election campaign is one small part of that. But I thought I'd start uh, actually by talking about some of our rivals in this election, and it's a pretty ugly picture. Uh, I thought I'd tell you a bit about the story that Jesse, one of our coordinators in the West, uh, told about his experience yesterday when the ballot was being drawn. So he was surrounded by a menagerie of hardcore racists, of transphobes, sexist pigs, and COVID conspiracy nutjobs. So representatives from Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party, uh, from the so-called Freedom Party, the Liberal Party, which had been taken over by Pentecostal, Trump-loving uh, weirdos, and Bernie Finn himself. Poor Jesse. So these are people who take their cue and inspiration from the electoral victories of the far right internationally, from Trump, from Bolsonaro, to Giorgia Maloney, the new fascist prime minister in Italy. And Jesse said, other than their obsession with talking about Victorian socialists, that we made a splash, made an impact, and the fact that we all supposedly live in Turak mansions, <laughs> we figure, um, the cheers for the North, north would uh, indicate otherwise. Um, but they talked about how the Victorian Electoral Commission had been infiltrated. And that what we really need to do is get some ex-cops to guard the electoral offices because they're trying to steal the election. <laughs> Which is just like a, a bad photocopy of the American far-right movement. So stopping the far right from gaining another political platform and voting for socialists to do that and voting for people that will take on the far right, not just in the halls of parliament, but on the streets as well, has been a key part of our electoral um, um, campaign in the West at least and, and all across uh, the North as well. So our fight, of course, isn't just with the fringe dwellers from the far right, it's with both of the major parties. It's with, with all of those forces that want to run this system for big business and all of those forces that want to administer capitalism, that want to play nicely, that want to play by its rules. That's because this system is a system based on exploitation and it's a system based um, and thrives on the oppression of ordinary people, of, of minorities, of migrants, of indigenous people and so on. Because while the rich are getting richer, the rest of us are getting screwed. There is enormous amount of housing stress all across the North and the West. We have whole suburbs that have been built by new developers making their billions, and there is zero public transport connections to these suburbs, not even a bus. We have entire electoral districts like Sydney with only one train station. It's absurd. We have suburbs like Williams Landing where they have no public schools, not a primary school, not a secondary school. And they have been fighting for a school for the past six years and they still don't have a school. They're still waiting. It shouldn't be this hard to get such basic services. We have bulk billing clinics closing weekly and we have hospitals that are so over capacity that they can't even take 50% of pregnant women in their catchment area uh, to be able to give birth to their hospital. So the Mercy Hospital sends 50% of women to other hospitals because they can't service them. 
none of this is a natural process. None of this is just, you know, it just was and will be and there's nothing we can do about it. This is a political decision. This is about prioritising the interests of the rich, of the wealthy, over the lives of working class people. We have a state Labor government that's cutting the wages of nurses and teachers. Shame. They should be pace setting when it comes to wages instead of their cutting wages. We have a state Labor government that thinks renters' rights is about putting a picture on a wall or having a pet. Absolute joke. Renters' rights is about freezing rents. Fighting for affordable housing is about saying all of those houses that are empty, something like one in five houses in Footscray are empty, and saying that those houses of the speculators and the investors, they should be confiscated and handed over to public housing. We could eliminate homelessness using that. So intersecting with this crisis of inequality is also the climate crisis. Capitalism, with its insatiable drive for profits, is literally killing our future, as our placards are saying. <laughs> so, despite all of the international climate conferences, despite all of the fine words about climate action and targets and so on, we have not had more greenhouse gas in the atmosphere globally than we do today. And the problem isn't just governments overseas. Up and down this country, Labor governments are approving new fossil fuel projects. Our own Dan Andrews government has just lifted the ban on gas drilling. We've got new gas drilling projects on the Great Ocean Road. We have our precious native forests that were decimated by the bushfires still being clear-felled. Absolutely disgusting. So, as extreme weather events become more intense and more frequent, the climate disaster won't impact us equally. It's going to be ordinary people that pay the price. And we saw a little glimpse of that recently with the flooding in Maribyrnong. We saw how the rich have their retaining walls. We saw how they can keep their patch of grass dry while muddy sewerage covers residents' homes. So in the face of all of this, Socialist politics isn't just to throw up our hands and say there's nothing we can do about it, to mourn, to say, well, we're just going to get on with our lives, put our head down and just try and cope. No, our argument is that we need to organise. It's about time that our side found our own drill. Not a drill to, uh, for gas, but to tear down their stinking walls of privilege. <laughs> And this is what winning a massive platform for socialist politics is all about. We want to reach millions of people with our argument that we do not have to put up with this shit. That we have a right to good wages. That we have a right to decent and secure housing. That we have a right to funded schools and hospitals and to clean air. And that if we come together, if we organise collectively, we can win real change. This election campaign is about making history for our side. It hasn't been since 1944 that a socialist, independent of the Labor Party, and we know that socialists within the Labor Party 
worth, uh, worth a grain of salt. But it hasn't been since 1944 that we've had a socialist elected to an Australian parliament, when Fred Patterson was elected to the seat of Bowen in Brisbane. And so when we talk about making history, when we talk about making a breakthrough for our side, we're not saying we want to do this so that we can don a suit, enjoy the obscene parliamentary salaries, so that we can rub shoulders with the rich and powerful, enjoy the, the buffet in Parliament House, um, you know, and accommodate and become part of the problem and become part of the parliamentary furniture. No. We are here to shake up Victorian politics. We are here. We are here to be disruptors. Our heroes are not people like Julia Gillard, or even Sam Ratnam, or even Bernie Sanders, who became a shill for the Democrat Party in the US. No, our heroes are people like the German revolutionary Karl Liebknecht, who, woo, who during the patriotic hysteria in the lead up to the First World War, alone voted down the war budgets. And he didn't just do that. He also used his parliamentary platform to organise stormy um, protests all throughout the streets of Berlin against that war. That's what kind of you want to do. Our heroes are people like Bernadette Devlin. Bernadette Devlin, for those who don't know, is an Irish revolutionary. She was elected to the British Parliament in 1969. And pretty soon after that, she was carrying Molotov cocktails during the uprising in Derry against sectarianism in the fight for the rights um, of the Catholic um, of Catholics in, in Northern Ireland. And in the aftermath of the Bloody Sunday Massacre in 1972, in the British Parliament, when all the politicians were lying about what happened, they said, oh, the British soldiers shot down unarmed, peaceful protesters for Catholic civil rights in the streets, killing 14 people, but they were just acting in self-defence. And Bernadette Devlin was trying to speak on the parliamentary floor. She kept on interjecting, kept on trying to get called, and they were trying to shut her voice down. And she went up to try and lift some sceptre at the, at the um, 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 on parliamentary floor, and she's like, oh, that looks a bit heavy, I probably won't be able to do that. And then she spotted the Home Secretary that had just said that lie about how it was all about self-defence and she punched him in the face. So, okay. Well, Victorian politics probably will not offer us such charged historic <laughs> moments. I may or may not be punching people on parliamentary floor if we get elected. But we will not be shape. <laughs> we will not be ducking for cover. We can promise you that we will not be playing nice, that we will be a thorn in the backside of the rich and powerful. They will wish we'd never been elected and they've never done any deals with us. <laughs> we will be unwavering champions of struggle from below. We will use our platform not just to make speeches, but to back up striking workers, to urge other workers to have a go, to help organise whatever collective resistance we can. Comrades, we have run an impressive campaign. We have knocked on so many doors. We have put up so many core flutes. We've done so many station leafletings and political meetings. 
market stalls, you name it, community rallies. And we shouldn't forget the huge rally that we organised as part of this campaign against the overturning of Roe v Wade, defence of abortion rights, the fight for universal access to abortion, when we mobilised 15,000 people on the streets of Melbourne to fight for our rights. And we've done all this, we've done all this, not because we've got the deep pockets of the major parties and people like Clive Palmer, or the institutional power of existing parties. We've done this because we're powered by the conviction, by the energy and the passion of our volunteers. It's been an amazing effort. And we are almost there. We can see the finish line in this small battle that we have before us in the fight to change the world. And it's so wonderful to have so many comrades from um, across the country, all our interstate comrades who made the journey down to Melbourne to help lift us for this final two weeks, to help us get there, to help us door knock thousands more people, to recruit hundreds more people to our polling booths, to have more and more conversations, thousands of conversations to persuade people to vote for Victorian Socialists. So we are forever indebted to you, comrades. Thank you so much for coming down. So, two more weeks to go. Let's snatch that victory for our side. Thanks, Colin. All right, that was brilliant. Um, we've got a public service announcement. Um, we are desperately short on money. Um, I think it was either Jesus or Marx or someone who pointed out that cash rules everything around me. Um, and it certainly does, as long as capitalism survives. And right now we don't have any of it. Um, and so we will not be uh, ruling anything or anywhere. Um, we need tonight is, is about inspiration but it's also about fundraising. There is a whole bunch of stuff going on uh, to help support fundraising. Firstly, there's dinner. We're about to hear some jazz. You can get some dinner over jazz. <coughs> Sorry. Need a cup of water. Um, secondly, there's raffle. Who are the raffle ticket sellers in here? Put your hand up. Are there any? Wow. Okay. Some people can sell raffles. There's a whole table out there. The raffle prizes are actually really amazing. There's really good left-wing literature. Um, there's wine. There is one raffle prize that's like a series of Mexican delicacies, including personally home-dried chilies. Um, there's one that's like a cask of 12 bottles of expensive wine. There's one that's four uh, more, more, more expensive ones on top. Um, it's great. They're really good prizes. Go buy some raffle tickets. Even if you don't want the stuff, you can give it away. It's very socialist but it means we can fund our campaign. That's very important, do that. If you haven't spent at least 20 bucks on the raffle, you have failed tonight. Some people have spent $100. $100 is a good start. That's the thing we're talking about. Um, finally, for fundraising, uh, Roz and a few other people are going around asking for pledges. That is a one-off donation to help boost the campaign. Again, I cannot emphasize enough that we are broke. It's not a joke. Make, doing politics costs money and we don't have any of it. So if you can give a couple of hundred bucks or more in a one-off payment to Victorian Socialists, speak to Roz. Put your hand up, Roz. Is she here? She's outside. Everyone's outside. Speak to Roz. She's out there. Um, she's our candidate for Richmond. She's very good um, and she can hook you up. Okay, 
I just want to give you a sense of the scope of this campaign. People in the back there, we can hear you. Yes, you, Mr. Reich. Please. Okay, just to give you a sense of what people have done in Melbourne in the last two months and a half. We have knocked on 155,000 doors across this city. That's almost, that's getting close to double what we did in 2018. We put up 2,600 yard signs across the city. And, and I gotta say, though the North made more noise tonight, the West has put up substantially more of those signs, so well done. That's a real point of pride for them. We've, phone, we've, got, we've got phone banking lists in, in, in Victorian socialists of thousands of people, and I know there's been dozens of people calling through those lists and getting on to volunteers. It's been a massive effort. There's been people in the state helping with that, so thanks so much. And as a result, we have hundreds of volunteers already signed up for polling day. But we want to get hundreds more. We want to hit 2,000 volunteers. That is our goal. So there is still two weeks to involve people in polling day, and that is something that if you already signed up, that is something you can do. Bring a family member, bring a friend, uh, bring an old political contact from work or school or wherever. We need those people. Because this is gonna be the biggest two weeks of our political lives. We have the chance to get someone elected for the first time in 70 years. And we are not here just to make a bit of noise and go home. We are here to fucking win. And we need to make that happen by working hard. We're not just here to show up, this is not one of those times. Okay, and to be honest, one of the main reasons I want to win is to tell the media to get fucked. Because they, that media have refused to talk about the Victorian socialists almost since we began. They will cover any political party that puts out a press release, including parties that didn't even have the numbers to run as a party. The Victorians party, they got a front page and they don't even exist. They're running no one. Meanwhile, our candidates, when they get their allocated spot in local media, they just copy and paste the Labour Party statement because they can't be bothered. They don't want to talk about socialist politics. Well, we do, and we're bringing it to the streets of Melbourne over the next two weeks. Okay. So, enough ranting about the media. Our next speaker and our final speaker is Jerem Small. And it's hard, it's hard to introduce Jerem because Jerem is probably one of the most uh, compelling and, and beloved socialists um, in this country. Um, and the reason is pretty simple, I think. It's because Jerem is, brings um, sincerity to politics that few can rival. Jerem really believes in the working class, their power to liberate all of us, their power to stop production, to stop the destruction of our planet, and to create a world worth living in. Everyone who speaks to Jerem immediately recognize, recognizes the sincerity and passion and commitment of a man who spent you know, 30 years of his life are fighting for those causes. And Jerem has had a rich uh, and long life in political activism and in work. Uh, he worked at Telecom many years ago, uh, before it was privatized into Telstra, and I met people who worked with him on doors, who still remember him as a firebrand and an organizer and a unionist from those days. He went to Melbourne Uni and got an arts degree, like some of you. Yeah. Uh, and um, he was an activist there. 
He was a construction worker for 20 years and caused trouble on building sites across Melbourne alongside uh, his comrades in the CFMEU. And now he's an industrial organiser for Socialist Alternative, helping young trade unionists and old trade unionists find ways of organising against their disgusting bosses, finding ways to bring people into the union movement that unfortunately has been run into the ground by the complacent, despicable uh, union officials who are aligned with the disgraceful, despicable Labour Party that holds our wages down, that would empower bosses to cut wages and do dirty deals with the unions. So, Jerome has organised so much and so many different ways. From my personal experience in 2011, the first time I really got to work with Jerem uh, was as part of the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions campaign we organised against Max Brenner, a disgusting Israeli company uh, that gives um, special chocolates to the Israeli army. Not just any parts of the Israeli army, but the ones that boast about killing Palestinian people regularly. We organised we organized a civil disobedience campaign targeting that company uh, and Jerem and Liz Walsh, for that matter, and myself and about 15 other people were arrested as part of that. We spent one month in court, one month in court, for being charged with trespassing in a public place. But after one month, we won. And not only that, not only that, we actually got the police to pay one million dollars in costs to our lawyers. So that was pretty fucking good. More recently, Jerem was involved um, in blockading an international mining conference. Uh, a conference organised by the Victorian Labour Party uh, here in Melbourne. He was helping to organise a picket of that conference to stand up and say, we will not allow these companies to do business and to, to wheel and deal uh, on, in Melbourne. And he was arrested for the crime of holding a megaphone. I'm not sure the status of that legal case. Maybe Jerem can tell us when he comes up. But he's a dead serious, very committed trade unionist. Um, he quotes Brecht in every speech he gives. He's literary, he's passionate, he's inspiring. Please make him welcome, Jerem Small. Thanks to the text people. Thanks to uh, all of you for being part of the campaign. Thanks to Omar for the uh, introduction. I should just correct the biographical record. I've actually been doing this for 40 years. I was leading, I was part of leading high school walkouts before Greta Thunberg made it cool. So early 80s, early 80s, the big issues were uranium mining and US bases and the threat of nuclear war. Um, and yeah, so, so that's where I started, picketing the South African embassy, picketing the apartheid embassy, picketing the South African embassy against the apartheid system. So there's a continuity between getting arrested for protesting the apartheid system in Israel. Um, I never studied at Melbourne Uni, that is a lie. I, as a, as I did spend some time organising there when we first set up Socialist Alternative. I got a history degree from La Trobe University um, and, and a good education in building a club and you know going through the proper processes but not in the proper way when you're taking on the uni admin. So, political skills developed on a campus or learned on a campus which can be applied in the rest of the world. And I know that there's a lot of people here who have had some version of that story. And those, all of those skills that you have learned in politics, socialist politics and political combat will come in handy for the next two weeks. I should also say, um, yeah, like, okay, getting arrested, okay, no, I'll skip the eye mark thing. I could go on for too long. I think... In two weeks, at exactly this time, we will be gathered celebrating 
as Omar said, the most extensive socialist electoral campaign to happen in this country since actually no one knows. Like in, in a generation, maybe in a few generations. And Omar took you through some of the numbers. Just to add to them, to add to the 150, 155,000 doors knocked on, to add to the 1,500 core flutes on people's houses and the, the 1,000 more stuck up around the place, Australia Post uh, and our volunteers this week delivered 700,000 pieces of socialist literature to households in the West and North and Melbourne. If you add to that the 650,000 how to votes, which also have socialist piece of socialist literature, which we'll be giving people over the next two weeks, you add to that the 150,000 leaflets that we put in people's hands or left in their letterbox when we uh, door knocked them, that is one and a half million pieces of socialist literature that we will have given out in this campaign. In, you talk about putting socialism back on the political map, that is one huge part of how to do it, and that's what we'll be celebrating in exactly two weeks' time um, after the bowls of time. But the absolute, the absolute heart of what we're doing is, is not those numbers, and it's not that literature. All of, that, uh, all of those pamphlets, all of those knocks on those doors, the aim of that is one thing, and that is to have a conversation. Conversations are what are going to win votes. And so for the next two weeks, you start a conversation by making a pitch. And you will have enormous number of chances to refine your pitch and to stuff up your pitch and to think, oh my God, what am I saying? And you know, I'm getting the cold shoulder. And to, and to go again. And it is enormous fun. My pitch, my standard pitch, um, you know, pretty much at the moment, um, sort of adapted from what we were doing in the federal election, you know, it waltz up to someone, they're approaching the polling booth, maybe they just parked their car or whatever, and you say, how's it going? Not sure if you've heard of uh, Victorian socialists before, you hand over a bit of literature. Um, we're pretty new, we're pretty damn radical, we think it's totally crazy that billionaires have doubled their wealth in this country in two years. We're campaigning to reverse the privatisations of childcare and aged care, and we want to put politicians on a worker's wage. Is there, you know, Okay, that's us. What motivates you in this election? What gets you going? What issues concern you? And sometimes you get not much going, in which case you can just say, yeah, there's not much to choose between the major parties. Put us number one. We really want to shake things up and we're a people power party. We don't pretend we're going to fix everything the day, you know, if we're fortunate enough to win, but we're serious about backing every single campaign for justice and for, you know, for decent services in this area, which is the truth. And yeah, and with a pitch like that, a pitch like that in the federal election won 6% of the vote at Craigieburn West, from, largely from people who'd never heard of us before. It won 10% of the vote at Roxborough Park. It won 12% of the vote at a booth in North Melbourne. All of this, that sort of pitch can win votes. So that's my pitch. It sort of works for me, you know, sometimes, you know, but you, you want to change it. And then sometimes you don't have that leisure. You're not in a car park sort of strolling around, just engaging with people as they emerge from the car. Sometimes, you know, people are hurtling towards the polling booth at high speed and you're stuck in a scrum with, you know, every, like with the shooters and fishers in the United Australia Party and the Labor voters. It's like, oh my God, you know, like everyone's just sort of taking their stuff. And our job is to say five seconds worth of stuff that that person might remember. And in Craigieburn, um, at early voting, uh, in the federal election, a lot of it was because all of the other parties are backslapping each other. The far right, the Greens, they're all like, ah, oh, laughing at each other's jokes and all the rest of it. The look of disgust 
on the voters of Craigieburn, the look of disgust on their faces as they came around the corner and saw that whole scene. We're meant to be political rivals. It doesn't mean, you know, like you just, you just don't focus on them and you certainly don't laugh at their jokes. So I was trying to match the level of disgust on the faces of the people coming towards me. And I, I was just, put a politician on a worker's wage, put us number one. And people go, yeah, you know, you'll get a certain number of votes like that. Or maybe you can say, we're the only party campaigning to reverse privatisations and aged care. And maybe that will connect. But just, you know, you get to try a lot of different things. And the point of going over this is that that's what we want every single person here to do, is just to try a bunch of stuff. There's 14,000 words of policy that you can go through. There's all the literature. You should keep checking in with the people on your booth. Well, oh God, I saw that you kept on stopping people. What's your secret? You know, teach me. Um, I feel rusty. You know, let's change the roles around. That is going to be our next two weeks, and especially it's going to be Saturday, November the 26th, election day. So, um, and the, one of the most important things to say is number one. We need your number one vote. There is nothing worse than having a great, you know, two minute conversation with someone. Yes, 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 the rich. Yes, 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 privatisation. Yes, yes, yes. And then they come and slap you on the phone. I'll put you number two. <laughs> like, I mean, it happens, but every single conversation we want to be saying, that's why we want your number one vote. Like, you know, if you're campaigning for Preston Market, like a number one vote for Victorian Socialists in the Upper House, that's what will, you know, uh, teach the Greens and Labor and all the rest of it that the Preston market is valuable. A number one vote. In the North, the Greens are going to get a seat anyway. Give us a number one. Even if we don't get elected, nudge the others to work a bit harder. Like, we need that number one vote, so find a way to weave that into a discussion. Okay. So we've got number one votes, we've got a pitch, we've got, uh, oh yeah, and like, describe the ballot paper. Like, it's the upper house, like, you know, um, we're running in every lower house seat. It's the two upper house candidates, Liz Walsh and myself, that actually stand a chance of making some history and getting in. So you need to say, like, frankly, I think the upper house is sort of jargon for a lot of people. You'll get two ballot papers, a small one and a really big long one with 23 different parties on it. That really big long one, we're just right near the end there. Look for Victorian Socialists, give us number one. Because, like, it's really noticeable how many people will vote for us in the lower house. You know, oh, yeah, Omar, he's easy to find, bang. Oh, my God, look at this. This is a mess. This is rubbish. Oh, don't, don't even bother. Like, we need every single person to vote number one in the upper house. Okay. What else? A couple of things. Don't be backward about throwing yourself in, and don't be backward about stuffing it up. Like that's a, and that's a great thing about you know, either door knocking or, or trying to win votes, is that you can, you can lose your lines, you can say the wrong thing, you can, and you can just take a deep breath, take a sip of water, brush yourself off, and you can go again. And um, it can be tiring. I've never worked in retail. I've done 10 hour shifts on construction sites plenty of times, but like just you know, dealing with voters, coming in, give yourself a break. Make sure that you rotate and don't be afraid of stuffing it up. There's a lot of new faces here. There's a lot of people that haven't done this sort of work. Don't be afraid of it. Like, you will do fine. You have something that a bunch of the other campaigners do not have, which is honesty, sincerity, a belief in what we're saying, and you can look people in the eyes and say, we will fight alongside you to make things better. That will win votes. If you have never done this before, you will win votes. And maybe the final thing to say is keep having fun because there are a few things in the world more fun than making history. 
There are, a few th there are a few opportunities that we have to do something that no one in this country has been able to do for decades, which is, you know, I'm not going to be standing here in two weeks' time saying we will now proceed to build a socialist order, but if we manage to get either Liz or myself into the upper house, if we're in with a fighting chance when we meet again in two weeks, that will be a huge step to pulling socialism off the margins of political activity in this country. And yet, all of my history on construction sites, in anti-apartheid movements, um, you know, in different campaigns, in the climate movement, like all of that experience teaches me that socialist politics has a huge amount to offer to every single struggle. And rebuilding the socialist movement by getting a socialist, by taking a step to do that, by getting a socialist into parliament, that is something worth um, pushing ourselves and pushing each other and encouraging each other, supporting each other. Um, and, and, you know, just go on that extra mile over the next two weeks. So when we meet again in two weeks' time, we can see, okay, we've done the one and a half, one and a half million pieces of literature, we've had all of the conversations, and now we can see what sort of history we've actually made. Really looking forward to that. See you then. I think it's really important that Jerem gave us that kind of practical uh, perspective because that's what it's about. This isn't about having a fun meeting and then going home and then you know, looking at the news in two weeks and seeing what happens. This is about everyone here committing to fighting for every single vote for two weeks. And yes, when you're fighting for you're doing six hour days in pre-poll, you will be a bit tired at some point, you know? But you've got to think back to this moment, think back to the bigger picture. What are we trying to do here? We're trying to make history. It's not always going to be easy. People go to jail to change the world. People go to jail to, to, to fight for freedom and democracy. People do a lot harder things and campaign, maybe in the rain um, for a few hours uh, in suburban Melbourne. So uh, those things that Jerem went through, um, the, 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 the hundreds of conversations we're about to have for the next two weeks, um, that is actually the nuts and bolts of what is going to get us um, through to victory uh, in two weeks' time. Okay, we've got one more band tonight and then the raffle. That's it. You've had your chance. We need to get Jerem Small elected. Can I, do we, do we need to do that?